0: Today's episode of In the Trenches is brought to you by System 12 Guitar Method. Sign up today at ryanroxy.com. In the Trenches with
1: Ryan Roxy.
0: Hello, folks, and welcome to another live stream episode of In the Trenches. I am your host, Ryan Roxy. Uh, Hello, everybody. It's going to be a good one today. I feel good. You know why? Because our guest is on the same sort of time zone as I am. So that means we're both having a nice little, it's five o'clock somewhere. All right. So the thing is about our guest, as you know, I'm broadcasting from Sweden and we also have a fellow American that has also maintained a home base in Europe, uh, having sort of a devil's triangle, so to speak, of some amazing locations to live in. Uh, Talking about UK, Hamburg, Germany, and a good old rock and roll Detroit to call home. I'm happy to have her on the trenches and talk about her newest album release, The Devil and Me. Would you please welcome me in joining, Susie Quattro. Hello, Susie.
1: How you doing? Hello. What's <laughs> happening? <laughs> it's happening? I was married to one of you, by the way, for 20 years, Mr. Sagittarius.
0: You were? Okay. We were just talking about astrology signs before, and and you said you could call me out as a Sagittarius right out of the gate. What is it? That makes me a Sagittarius that you, that's so obvious.
1: Immediate. Yeah. You're off the wall. You're off the wall.
0: I'm curious, you know,
1: <laughs> you're off the wall. <laughs> Am I off the hook as well? But y- you've been off the wall. Pretty- <laughs> yeah, you're off the hook and you're off the <laughs> You're both. Yeah. Off the wall. Sagittarians have their own little brand of um, humor. and it's, it's particular to you. And it's sort of just your thing, and either we can join in or we don't join. You have that about you. Anyway, go on. Let's do the interview. (laughs) I will do my—yeah,
0: enough about me, more about me. No, we're talking about you today, Susie, and we're talking about the new album, The Devil in Me. But before we do this, I would love everybody that's in the live chat, uh, thank you very much for listening to all our audio podcasts, whether it is— Spotify or whether we're on Apple podcast, but we'd like you to get on the YouTube official channel So hit that subscribe button right now if you're in the chat and you can uh, be on the show or not on the show But in the show, that's what you're doing And what we'd like to do first Susie is just do a little going back to get forward before we talk about the new album Just a little bit back to go forward. What do you say Vic? It's just because we have to have a motorcycle sample. It's a a rock and roll podcast, right? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And you're from Michigan originally. Gross point to be exact. Um, I guess the first thing I would say is why the bass guitar and why? Uh,
1: Well, we started the first band when I was 14 and we were all on the phones and screaming to each other. They'd just seen the Beatles and the Ed Sullivan Show, which everybody watched. And um, two sisters, one of my sisters and me, and another girl. And we—I think Patty said, "Let's form an all-girl band." And everybody went, "Yeah!" And everybody went, "I want guitar. I want drums. I want this. I want that." And I didn't speak, so I just there's, there's me, there's me, yeah, there's me in the, with the bass guitar. And I just said, um, "What am I going to play?" And my sister, Patty said, Oh, you're going to play bass. And I didn't care. I already played properly percussion and piano schools, right? I played classical piano. I read and write percussion, read and write. So she said, you're going to play bass. I went, okay. So, And I asked my dad, who's a, who's a musician, right. do you have a bass for me? And I want to see if you're a musician, I want to see you go green. And you will go green in front of the camera. You everybody will see you go green. At fourteen years old, I was given my first bass guitar. And it was a nineteen fifty seven Fender Precision with a basement amp. Look at starts, your turning color there. Yeah,
0: starts <laughs> off good. My my first guitar was a Stratocaster. So and I, I always say that's really good parenting.
1: Okay. I I think that is, but a lot of kids starting off do not have that. No. You know, you got a good one. I got a good one. And I didn't know even that it was a big bass because I didn't know any better. I said, Dad, do you have a bass? He said, here you go. So all I knew was that that's what I had to learn how to play. And uh, I didn't realize there were even smaller necks available. Wouldn't it cared anyway? I like the big, long neck and the heavy body. That's what I'm used to.
0: Now, was this the Art quatros trio or was this the Pleasure Seekers? Which band are we talking about this? Or did they morph into one another?
1: Well, I played in my dad's trio when I was like seven and eight. Oh, wow. I played bongo drums, and he would let me come along, and my mother, rest her soul, and my dad, she never knew he was supposed to drop me at church, and he would take me, yeah. He would take me to his gig and let me play bongos in front of his trio. So that started my road to ruin, you know. And then and then the 14 was when we started the Pleasure Seekers. That's when I got my first base.
0: Okay, so before the bass, you were Mickey Finn on the conga drum.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to play them. Yeah, I was always percussive minded. I even, I even used to cut up. Oh, this is sad. Cut up white drinking straws into three sections. Put baby powder down them. Put a poetry book in front of me, and pretend like I was smoking of oh, that sand. That <laughs> sand. And play the bongos and recite poetry. I mean, that's embarrassing. I can't believe I just told you that. No, that
0: that's like you. being beatnik. Like, that's like being a beatnik poser back in the day.
1: I love it. That's what <laughs> I was. A, I wanted to be a beatnik. I did. I thought that was, I thought that was me, you know? <laughs> so, so...
0: The Pleasure Seekers, those are those are some of the pictures that we're looking at. And Vic Shalfon, our producer, has combed the internet and gone down that rabbit hole with Susie Quattro to uh, get a lot of these photos for you this uh, episode. You had your Elvis moment and you had your Beatles moment. I love that. And there's four yeah. Quattro sisters and one brother. So... Mike. Yeah. And Michael actually did help out a lot in the beginning of those years, right? He did. He, was he the one that sort of helped get a lot of those early gigs booked and, uh, sort of, did he, did he co-manage the band? Did he
1: book the band? What was his role? No, that wasn't how it went. Um, in fact, it was in two waves. The first band was the Pleasure Seekers and it was just one sister, me and one sister. We lost, uh, and girl musicians were few and far between. So, The piano player left she left first and my dad said why are you looking for another piano player your your eldest sister Eileen plays piano so we brought her in and her first husband managed that group so three of the sisters and the manager was my sister's husband then that band changed in 1969 to Cradle um and my little sister was brought in my older sister left to get married for the second time out of seven that's another story. You don't want to go there. And um, the little sister was brought in, so it was again three sisters. And I then took a little bit of a backseat, to because we wanted to change the. Everybody wanted to change the band. We wanted it to be heavier, writing our own stuff. And it was thought that my time is the front person was over which it wasn't of course but that's what we thought yeah. bring the younger one and let her learn the ropes i know you can't hide a light on anywhere a light <laughs> is there you can't hide it so but but that was okay because i stepped back and i became a really good bass player so that was that was good in a way it was you know? helpful it and was I helpful
0: forgot. that whole experience yeah at,
1: at that point, yeah but at that point in cradle my brother was then doing festivals. He was booking festivals. And at that point, he started to book us on some of his festivals as Cradle, as this heavier band, right into own material. My little sister singing lead and me stepping back and only doing three or four songs on stage, but the rest just playing. So that was the band that Electra Records saw me in and offered me a solo contract. Didn't want the band. Same band Mickey Most saw me in. Right. Only wanted me. So the, so the two things together came in one week of each other. But that was where my brother came in and that part of the story.
0: And I feel that you were at sort of a crossroads at one point. It was either go to New York and be the next Janis Joplin or go to the UK and be the first Susie Quattro. Is that correct?
1: Isn't that, isn't that kind of a no brainer? <laughs> I love it. You know, I... I know the guy said it to me, the of the head of electric, Jack Olson, and I just went. I didn't say that. I just went. Uh-huh. And then Mickey said to me, "Come to England and be the first Suzy Quattro." So Mickey saw me as something totally unique. I'm not Janis Joplin. I wouldn't pretend to be Janis Joplin. That's not even actually my style of singing. Yeah. You know, I'm much more rock based. She was much, much more blues based. Yeah. Really, excellent. You know, I'm a big fan, but I'm not her. I'm not that kind of singer. I'm my own kind of singer. So yes, I, I took the English offer and came to, came to the UK in 1971.
0: 71. And it, and it wasn't just, of course, it might've started off eloquent getting into a Rolls Royce. And then, you know, all of a sudden you're in a hotel room, the size of probably a bathroom in, in most American standards. And you lived in that hotel room for quite a while. What were you, cause you had no intentions. Once you got to the UK, you didn't really have any intentions of going back to the States until you had established yourself in the UK, Europe.
1: Market, I, I right? went to, I went to accomplish something and I would not go back. So I accomplished it. And I did. I, I did what I set out to do. Um, you know, when you get two offers in one week, it's gotta to say to you, hey, this is your time. You got you gotta hear that, you know? And both both companies had seen the banner. Both said, We only want you. So obviously I went, Okay, my turn to go. Um, it didn't happen right away. No, didn't have any money, didn't have any friends, lived in that tiny room, not even in my own bathroom. But not for not for a millisecond did I consider coming back.
0: Love it. We are mm-hmm. here with Susie Quadro. We are here with Susie Quattro. And all of a sudden, my and echo just came up. My I don't know why I'm hearing a lot of I my echo my I voice, heard. but uh, maybe someone can calm that down. And uh, for, this is a quote from Cherie Curry from The Runaways. For anyone that wants to get into this music business, they should study Susie Quattro. And that's what we're getting to do. We're getting to hang out with Susie Quattro today. Oh, there's a good picture of you guys together. Um, we're going to. So yeah. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about that early moment when maybe it was the photo shoot, maybe it was the songs, maybe it was the times, but everything came together. And I'm not sure if Vic has that shot where basically you said that shot is Suzy Quattro. Maybe offstage, it's not me, but that shot is Suzy Quattro. It's the most famous shot of the black and white uh, leather jumpsuit. And was that right around the time of the can, the can release or was that before when did that photo shoot happen?
1: Um, yeah, it was, it was actually a pivotal moment. You know, you have them in your career. You can go ah, light bulb, light bulb, light bulb. Um, I had been in England for about 18 months or so. And Mickey kept trying to record me. There's the shot there. There There you go. That is an iconic shot. Um, and the funniest thing about that is I didn't know it was sexy. That's hilarious. I'm so stupid sometimes. <laughs> um, really, I, I can be so naive sometimes about so because I don't wear that. I don't use that as my armor. No. that That's why I, I don't look at that, you know. Um, nothing was happening. Mickey couldn't find a way to record me. He just couldn't find a way to record me. He didn't know how to produce my edge. So I just said, let me form a band, and I did. And this is where it all started to happen. I got the band together. We did all my own stuff. We went on the first ever Slade tour. We were the opening act, me for 15 minutes, Thin Lizzie Slade. By the time that tour was over, there we are. By the time that tour was over, the band was together doing all original songs. And uh, Mickey had just signed Chin and Chapman as a songwriting team. Yeah. And he said to me, Do you mind? Now that the band's together, you got your own sound happening. He said, do you mind if they come along and hear what you do and study it and maybe write you a hit single? And I I didn't have a problem with that at all. I'm still writing all my own stuff. And they had that little neck for the three-minute commercial single. So they came and saw the set, and it was all boogie-based. If you hear the first album, it is all in that same vein, the stuff I was writing. We recorded Can the Can. Mickey said to me... uh, this is going to be a number one and he was right it was a number one and then he said now we need to discuss image because now is the time for you to have a photo session i said okay what do you want to wear i said leather very against it he said no and i said yes he said no i of course i got my way because that's me and <laughs> um and then yeah, i know i'm laughing because that's me mickey one time said you don't ever tell Susie what to do. You can suggest.
0: <laughs> you sure you're not a little bit of a Taurus?
1: Maybe you're a Gemini, but some no. a
0: little bit of a Taurus rising. <laughs> my daughter's a Taurus, so I know about stubbornness. Oh, very stubborn.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so he said, okay, you can wear leather. And then he said, what about a jumpsuit? And me and my stupidity, like I said, I don't use it as my armor. I just said, oh, great idea, because I jump around, you know, and I thought everything stays put. I don't need to worry about tucking something in or fastening it. So i like, great, great, Mickey, good idea. So we were standing in the studio and my first jumpsuit on. The boys were hanging on the around my feet at the bottom for this phone, you know, Garrett Mankovitz, there they are with their hands up. Um, and the the song was playing on the speakers. What a pivotal moment in my life! There I am, not out yet. The song is playing. Mickey's already told me it's going to be it. I'm in my first jumpsuit, and the photographer, who I still work with today, he said, "Give me that Susie Quattro look," and I, <laughs> I did that look, and I, I didn't know I had, I didn't know I had a Susie Quattro look, and there it was. And there
0: it is. Yeah,
1: I love it. Wow, and it hit, and I remember it being a pivotal moment. I went, "Oh my God." After the pleasure seekers and be in the front, cradle be in the back, and now Susie Quattro being here, I just found my, I, I found my stance, you know, you don't know what's coming till it comes. But when he said, give me that Susie Quattro look, all of a sudden I had one.
0: And and it's and it's to this day you still have it. Even when people come to suggest things for you, <laughs> <laughs> now just, just for those that are listening that want to know a little bit of the history of Nikki Chin and Mike Chapman, uh, great songwriting team. Although I think Mike Chapman did most of the songwriting back in the day. Nikki was more business wise, as far as I can yeah. tell. Um, but Mike Chapman, I mean, so many hits, so many bands, and you know some of my favorite bands, The Sweet, uh, Love so much of what he's did with them and your songs, obviously, uh, so many big hits can the can 48 crash. Um, you know, but to touch on that leather jumpsuit just real quickly once, once again, and, and then I'll bury it, but it's been almost like a superhero costume of sorts. If you think about it and you, and you started this superhero costume because the people that have followed in those steps, Joan Jett, uh, Chrissy Hine, to a certain extent, with all black leather. Um, Lizzie Hale of Hailstorm. I'm not even sure if, you, if
1: you're familiar with her. We, we met up at the She at Rock Awards. Nice girl. Great girl. And we have email contact.
0: Yeah. And great guitarist and great front woman. And Absolutely. when we Absolutely. Went, yeah, when we went on tour together, it was the leather jumpsuit. And there it is. So you started out. You are the original you can't even say wonder woman you are this rocker woman you know
1: i was and i didn't i didn't actually know i was doing it everybody who knows me knows that and i didn't actually realize what i had done until i saw the documentary with my first audience on the first premiere in london and i snuck into the corner so i could watch it because you know that's how you really see it with an audience You get your reactions, you know, and I was afterwards to do question and answer and I watched it with the audience. Nobody saw me there. There we are. There we are. It's just gone great. It's been number one everywhere. And um, I watched it and I sort of was watching all these women coming forward and saying all these things about me. And I started I was in tears and uh, I called my friend the next day. I called her on the phone. She said, hi, hi, but uh, we're good friends now. And I said, "Um, I just realized something. I want to share it with you. And she said, well, I'm 69 years old. This was last year. I'm 70 now. I said, well, I just realized that by doing what I did, I gave women all over the world permission to be different. And Cherise said to me, and you just got that? (laughs) (laughs) Really, really made me laugh. She did the perfect comic timing. And you just got that? Yes, I did. <laughs> so it shows you, though, but it shows you nothing is manufactured with me. Nothing was invented. Nobody instructed me. I didn't even know what I was doing. All I was doing, as I still do now, even at age 70, I will not compromise myself. I will not. I am me. Done. I am me. If you don't like
0: it, go away. Authentic,
1: and that uh, you could call it
0: Detroit. You could call it uh, maybe your uh, uh, Italian-Hungarian upbringing. You could call it whatever you want. I call it Susie Quattro because I did, folks, watch the uh, the movie doc over the weekend. I rarely do this. I just laid in bed on Sunday. It was oh
1: my god! There we are going to the house I was born (laughs) to. Oh God, that makes
0: me so homesick. So the the movie was uh, came out in uh, end of two thousand nineteen, and, and it's obviously you can see it anywhere now um, on pay per view or streaming. You can find it. Liam Fermager, is that the uh, director of it? Liam,
1: Liam, I believe it's Liam Firmager.
0: Liam Fromager, damn.
1: Yeah, he did a damn good job. Oh yeah.
0: No okay. doubt about it, because and and the thing that shines through is that auth- authenticity that you're talking about. Because he's somehow they were able to get so much cool footage. There's a really great interview that you just get off the plane on your Australian tour. Are you the first Australian or second Australian tour? And you're just so matter of fact. And that's what makes it so damn cool. It's not pretentious at all. It's real, and you just you just look at it. It almost reminds me of the cool factor that perhaps maybe someone even in today's world, like a Billie Eilish, if I could be so. And have you ever been compared? As, has Billy Eilish ever uh, and Susie Quattro ever done? Because we have a picture. I think Vic has a picture of those two right there. And I say, Susie, you're the original.
1: She has been suggested to play me in my upcoming movie and I can see the resemblance. Aha. Interesting. Interesting. Mm, Uh.
0: I don't know if you ever saw that picture before, but um, yeah, the, the whole thing that of that time that I'm getting is that you're collaborating. You're, you're, you're not a solo artist in the sense of a solo rock girl. So you're, you're one of the band members.
1: You're, you're definitely... I'm one of the band, but I'm leading the band. I'm the leader of the band. It's my band. I love it. And they followed me. I was in charge. Now, see that picture there? That's funny. I'll tell you a little funny story about that. Sure. I sent that album home. As soon as I got it in my hands, I sent it home to Detroit, called my parents a few days later and said, did you get it? Did you get it? And my dad said, yes, we did. And he said, which guy are you in love with? Because he knew I was in love with the band members. Oh, and boy. he said, Please don't tell me it's the one with the beer and his hand down his pants. I said, Yeah, that's the one." That would be that would be Len Tucky. It's, yeah, it's yeah. He said, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> it made me laugh.
0: Was, your your first husband and not your first guitarist, but your guitarist of your band, and your first UK band, I guess. I love it. So, dealing with the doubters, how did you, did I, dealing with dealing with the doubters back in those days? Because you're collaborating with everybody, but you're, uh, yeah. There it is. That's how I deal with them. Hopefully, hopefully, we got someone to screenshot that. I love it. That's perfect. Because there's a- It's like,
1: this, watch, watch, here we go, here we go. You know what? I'll tell you what, I can really cut that short because- I didn't even really notice them, if there was some. I didn't notice. I've never ever called myself a girl musician in my entire life. I've just said musician. I don't do gender as a rule, and I really don't. Uh, I'm more of a meist. I'm more of a being who you are, whatever your little light is, male, female, straight, gay, black, white, who cares? Be the best you can be. This has been my thing my whole life, so I'm not... I don't put out there. Hey, I'm a female bass player. I don't put that out there, so it doesn't come back to me that way, you know. Yeah. Um, I do a bass solo every night. I have done since the late '60s, on stage, live. So how can you doubt that? There I am doing it. How can you doubt it? The doubters are usually idiots with no balls. Oh, wow, you're right. There she said it. There's there's one of my biggest fans, and what a lovely girl she is. And she was very nice in the documentary. And uh, she was my fan way before she had a band. And I was so glad when I was told that Joan finally formed a band. I said to Toby Mamis, I said, hallelujah. And he said, why are you saying that? I said, because if anybody needs to form a band, she does. Because she liked me that much, and it was in her DNA, and she, you know, she really wanted it so great, and she just sent me a, a big gold record of hers with my name on it to thank me, That's which amazing. is very sweet. No, no, it, I mean she has, she has Susie Quattro wallpaper, you know, and she's the first to say so. Yeah. But um, I'm happy to say that Joan took the inspiration from the original me, which is what we all do. We all do it. Yeah. We, we see somebody, and we go yeah and we know that it can come into our bodies and then she took it her way you know like she says in the documentary it was I was instrumental in her finding her way and she found her own way she went more more punk than me but she took that original thing and she ran with it her way which is what you should do I took Elvis and I ran with it my way
0: and perhaps that uh that leather jumpsuit and all the black leather does have that sort of Tip of the hat, nod to Elvis as well. Yeah, I always say it's it's not ripping off if you do it your own way. It's paying homage to the people you look up to, to the posters on your wall. Trust me, I, I absolutely. Yeah,
1: I, I, I'm, and, and you've seen every, to- good, every, every good artist is able, and I've talked to many artists about this, is able to in the early days when they're forming, who they are, they're finding their way in the world of this business. They're able to see somebody or whatever they, they find something with somebody usually and they feel it in their dna and they go yeah and they know that they can take the essence of that take it inside and put it out their own way like with elvis with me you know when i was five and a half and we were watching the Ann sullivan show and uh elvis came on doing don't be cool the eldest one in the family by nine years was screaming I was five and a half. And I looked over and I went, why are you screaming? And then I looked at the television and I literally fell into the television, much like Joan Jett did with me. (laughs) I fell in and and it's true. And she says it herself, little light bulb came on at five and a half. And And I went, I'm going to do that. And I knew it. And that's, Nuts to have that moment at five and a half years of age is nuts. But I swear to God, that's exactly where I had the knowledge. It went through me and I went, I'm going to do that. So that's crazy. So I took that inside of me. And just to finish that story off real quickly, when I recorded my um, tribute to Alice, and if you don't know it, Google it. There's a film clip and everything Uh, to Alice, to Elvis, uh, Single with Angels. And I wrote it for him because I never met him. I had a chance to. I turned him down. And I recorded my tribute to him, James Burton and the Jordanaires in Nashville. Could you get any better? Okay. So we're recording the thing and it's a beautiful song. My tribute to him for being the reason I do what I do. And we went outside taking a little break. And I was playing James a little bit of my new album. I had a little bit on tape. And he turned to me, I'll never forget it as long as I live. He said, Susie, you have what Elvis had. And I went, pardon? <laughs> <laughs> I said, what? It's, it's got to I mean, mean something. Life. It's got to go, make the hair rise. <laughs> I, I just went, what do you mean? And he said, well, I can only explain it in this way, what I'm trying to say to you. Whatever you do, it's you. Yeah. So he meant I'm unique, I think. But I, I didn't even care if he meant it. He said it. I shall take it to my grave. I could have put it on my gravestone. James Burton said. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, there aren't any doubters. I know in our chat room, there's no no doubters at all. And if anything can silence the doubters more, it's your body of work. And that's 18 albums. That's just studio albums. That's not counting all the collaborations and all everything that you've done. So it's 55 million albums sold, folks, and maybe even more by the time I'm saying this right now or you're listening to it. Um, So we're going to come back and talk a little bit about that, especially the the new album, The Devil and Me. That's the 18th studio album. But we're going to take a quick commercial break right now with Vic. There's the album cover right there, folks. But Vic, let's run the commercial with the uh, Hughes and Kentner amp if we can, and then we will come back with more, Susan. Is that cool for you guys? Cheers.
1: That's cool for me. All right. (laughs)
0: Cheers. (laughs) Hello. Ryan Roxy here. And I get a lot of questions lately regarding the current guitar amp setup that I'm using. Well, here's the answer. It's the Hughes & Kettner Black Spirit 200 floor model. Because it's roughly the same size as a compact pedal board, it can fit on any stage or desktop easily. But don't let the size fool you. Inside, it's packed with a 200-watt power amp, a ton of presets and programming options, built-in Redbox Direct technology, plus all the built-in effects you'd want. And the secret behind the tone? Well, that's the Bionic Spirit Tone Generator, which is fully programmable on the amp by using its built-in Bluetooth to connect to the app, which works seamlessly with both iPad and Android devices. But probably the best thing about the Black Spirit 200 is that it's easy to use. With its user-friendly setup, I managed to get a great tone going within just a couple of minutes of plugging in. If you're looking for that perfect, compact, all-around amp that covers you in the studio, on the stage, and even live streaming, this is the one. Check out the links for the Hughes & Kentner Black Spirit below or in the description, and let's get rolling. Speaking of rolling, on with the show. And we are back with Susie Quattro. Uh, thank you very much, folks, for hanging in the chat and putting up all your amazing comments. If this is your first time watching the podcast, uh, please hit that subscribe button on uh, the one of the seconds that Vic will hit. I never get it right. But uh, this is the In the Trenches uh, podcast. I am your host, Ryan Roxy. Again, we are with Susie Quattro, musician, author, actress, Broadway, I haven't, or West End, I haven't even gotten into all that stuff because there's such a body of work to cover. And like I said, this is something that you'll have to go down that uh, rabbit hole yourself a little bit after this show is done and do your own research. But we're going to catch up a little bit on the new album that Susie's putting out. Um, there's already a single out called The Devil in Me, but the album, The Devil in Me, is coming out. Well, let's bring Susie back up to talk about it. Why not? Hey, Susie, are you there? You froze on me. Yep. Oh, am I, am I getting some frozenness? <laughs> Maybe she'll come back in a second. But here's the deal, folks. Sometimes the internet gods work for us, sometimes they don't. You know that. That's what we do here at, uh, in the trenches. Sometimes we're literally in the trenches when it comes to the Wi Fi. But we're going to talk about Susie's newest album called The Devil and Me. She's collaborated again with her son, Richard Tucky, and uh, their album that came out right before No Control, Um, that was the first collaboration, and now another 12 songs being released in just a couple weeks. So let's see if Susie's back or Susie's gone. Okay, Vic, (laughs) here I am, just spouting away. Hopefully she'll come back up and uh, she'll get on the show. And folks, like I said, Every single week's a little bit—it's uh, an adventure, isn't it, folks? That's what we do. And I don't freak out anymore. I just chill. And uh, there's Vic. That's Susie Quattro's official YouTube channel. If you'd like to go check that out after the show, after the podcast, let's see if uh, let's see if Susie is able to sign back in and come back in. Uh, Vic's just shaking his head. <laughs> I don't know why he shakes his head like that. It doesn't stress me out in the least, does it? <laughs> But here we go. What I'm planning to do, if Susie comes back, is a whole section on let the people speak. And you know how much I like to let the people speak. And uh, your guys' questions all through the week has been uh, really supportive of Susie. You just heard that Billie Eilish suggested possibly to play the uh, role of Susie Quattro in an upcoming movie. We'll see if that happens. And, uh, let's see if Susie happens. If she comes back, my producer Vic is still shaking his head. Well, there you go, folks. Um, and there she is. I knew she'd come back. Give us a second to get her back on. And of course we will talk about, uh, there she is. And, uh,
1: I did, what I did was I went off I went on to I went on my laptop and said who knows why that happened this was perfect I'm gonna do, you to turn it's the gremlins yeah. I'm going to turn this oh no that's okay I'll leave it on here we are yeah. I'm sorry about that don't you we worry just went off after the commercial here yeah. we are
0: don't you worry because we get to talk about your Ray-Ban collection right in back of you we love that <laughs> man
1: 700 starting from the 40s onwards my husband did it for me
0: Oh my goodness. Well, folks, I was just hyping up the newest album, The Devil and Me, and I wanted to talk about it because it is your second collaboration with your son, which must, which must be such a thrill. Um, on the last album, was that the first time? How did the whole first album come together that you collaborated on, and how did it lead into this next record?
1: It's so crazy how it happened. Um He's been in bands and stuff since very young, and he took a long time to find his feet, you know? Uh, he he tried saxophone, he was scratching, he was singing, he was doing this and that and this and that and this and that. And um, he asked me about four years ago, he wanted to write with me. And I just didn't feel it was quite time yet. Then he came to me about two years ago and he came to me, he said, Mom, I need to write with you now. I went, "Oh." <laughs> okay. And that meant to me, he was ready. He was ready. So I said, what you got? Never worked together before. Showed me a few riffs. I said, I can I can work with that. We were in the studio making three demos, having fun. And on about the third demo, I looked at him. I looked at the engineer and I said, you know what? We're making an album. And we were. And all of a sudden, a partnership was born. And uh, No Control was received wonderfully around the world. Huge, huge, huge success. Um, And then the company took up the option for this one. And what's happened now in the devil in me, I have to say it, it, and I've called it my best work, and I don't even have to say it anymore because every viewer I've done, doesn't matter who they are, paper, radio, journal, whatever they are, they've all said to me, this is your best work so I can shut up now. He has brought, after getting the confidence with no control. He's brought his 36-year-old energy of a new generation of music, his style of playing, his style of writing, and in his DNA, he has soaked up since he can remember his mom being Susie Quattro. So this is in him. It's in him. He sees me a certain way. Um, I may have given birth to my son, but he's giving rebirth to me. I love it. I love it. That is a good one. That is a good one. Oh. That, that is one <laughs> that of those awe moments. Aw, it's, did I say
0: that? Yeah. <laughs> Don't quote me. Don't quote me. <laughs> no, I, I, in fact, I have to quote you because you are a quoted author, and that was one question that I wanted to ask about uh, during the course of the movie doc that we saw Susie Q over the weekend. Like I said, great documentary. Got to go check it out. But you're writing things in 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 a book, and it and I'm not sure. Um, are, throughout the course of the movie, there's like some some writing. You're writing prose. You're saying quotes. Is that through one of your books? Through my words, or is it was that completely uh, separate to the movie?
1: Well, I've got four books published. One is my autobiography, Unzipped. Then I published Through My Eyes, which is my poetry book, illustrated coffee table book, which I'm very proud of. Then I published my novel, The Hurricane. And during lockdown, I wrote and published my lyric book, this one here, through my words. So I've, I've got four books published. I'm not working on the fifth and the sixth one as we speak. My poetry, I'm very proud of. I've been doing it since a little girl. And the director of the movie wanted me to read some. And he said, which ones would you like to read? I said, you choose. So He chose. Wow, And I think he chose wow. the right ones. Yeah. yeah. I've always been lyric minded, you know, Gemini's are like Bob Dylan, you know, where words are everything to us. So okay. if you don't, if you don't listen to me, if you don't hear me, you don't understand me, you kill me. <laughs> Cause I have to communicate. Wow. You also wrote
0: a musical Tallulah. Yes. I-, I mean, so, so the thing is it's, it's, it's this energy that you have to create. It's, so you have tireless energy it it reminds me a bit of alice cooper because and i know that the both of you have a long history uh together i mean i think you went on the welcome to my nightmare tour there it is vic he got me on that one he said look You've already been on the tour. I think there was a couple pictures that I had put up earlier this week as far as promo, and it, it's such a relationship, such a special relationship. Does it come from Detroit or does it come from the love of energy and music? And there you guys. I mean, I play. I know that poker game. Not, did you ever get to play poker with with Alice on those on that tour? Are you
1: kidding me? <laughs> I beat him many times. Okay, um, Alice and I we go back a long way. We do have a connection. We always have. Uh, part of it's Detroit, part of it's just we, we just get each other. We just get each other. You know, we've always spoken the same language. He's very straightforward, same as me. Um, we don't like to be boxed in. We 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 talk all the time about this kind of stuff. And I have the great privilege of giving him a black eye.
0: Aha! Hold on, hold on that story. Hold on, because I actually that is part of the show. That is part of the show because we are nearing up where, honestly, all week. Folks have been piling in questions, and we had to weed them down <laughs> to just a few. But now, folks, it is time for a little bit of "Let the people speak." Can we have it rolling? <laughs> so, I'm going to start off with that because this comes from Gary Funeral, and it's a, it's it's a Fernaville. It says Fern, fern, fern Funeral. Gary Fernaville. Is it true or false that when you were on tour with Alice Cooper in the early seventies that you and Alice were so bored you bought some toy dart guns and had a toy dart gun f- game and you had a fight in the hotel and you actually shot his eye out or you gave him a black
1: eye? We this is absolutely one zillion percent correct. And Fact. by the way, I am I am a terrific shot. <laughs> Apparently. And we did have a dark gun fight and even went into the corridors with mattresses. I mean, this got serious mattresses <laughs> covering us and in and out of rooms and blah, blah, blah. We ended up in one of the rooms and Alice hid behind a TV. Okay. I'm a good shot. He made a mistake. He stuck his nose out to look to see where I was. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> um, the nose gives it away
0: guy. all the time with Alice. You know that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it does. Um, gave him a black guy. And he always said to me that his first thought was "ouch," and his second thought was "good shot." <laughs> so, and that night on stage, he wore my T-shirt, and he told the audience, "This is out of respect."
0: <laughs> I love it. Good shot. And You know what? Didn't you? Did you play? Did you play Annie Oakley in, in some sort of West
1: End thing? So you had to be a good shot. You earned. I am a good shot though and I I was a good shot since the first time I picked up a gun we were doing clay pigeons my ex-husband that was his hobby and he took me out one day and I didn't know I was good at it and he said "Uh, I'd love you to do this hobby with me and he had one of those contraptions where it throws the clays in the air oh yeah so he threw it up and I went bang
0: did you say pull did you get to say
1: pull yeah Yeah, I said pull and then it goes two in a row I went bang bang and he went always remember he said that was a bit easy. Let's put up two. So I went, pull, bang, bang. bang and he went, okay, thanks. That's enough practice. Go home. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go, Gary. It's okay. Yeah, it's been my life, that kind of thing. <laughs> That's your
0: fact right there. Well, we're moving on to at Evie's Zafos, And this is more of a music-related question. What is the best thing about playing the bass guitar?
1: It hits you where it counts. <laughs> yeah, good answer. Yeah. Well, I when I introduce the band on stage, and I always give everybody their moment to shine. I'm very big on that. Everybody has a little thing, and then I introduce the drums, and I always say, "This is the bass player's best friend, the drummer and the bass. We are the engine. We drive the band. If we haven't got the two of us, you got nothing." <laughs> and I mean it.
0: Well, there it I is. I mean it. I always say the guitar players get all the glory. Bass players get all the chicks. But in your, in your case, you get them, you get everybody, you get everybody. I get it.
1: <laughs> and I'm, I, I am, I am an organic bass player. I have to say, I'm not a failed guitar player. I don't play with a pick and I am organic bass. Bass is my instrument. I am yeah. a bass player.
0: Yeah. I, I love watching the, the, the footage of you, of, of being on, whether it's top of the pops or any of anything, any live performance. And you're just pumping away on the bass it, it, with the fingers.
1: Yeah. That's what I do with the fingers. Absolutely. Very important. I love
0: it. We're moving on. There's a lot of people that ask similar questions. So I I put some together and I know your audience in Australia, which we have some in the chat right now watching the show and it's very early for them or next day, or maybe it's next week over there right now, but at Rarty price and XO Gorth the Thor, will you ever make it back to Oz for any kind of shows or touring for the new
1: album? Is the Pope Catholic? Um, (laughs) I have been touring for 57 years and I will be back. Okay. I've had COVID. I've had the injection. I've had a year off because of this. Every day I'm in my front room playing along with my live CD. Of course I'll be back. I'm not ready to stop yet. I'm I'm not ready. I'm nowhere near ready to stop. Of course. I, and this will be my 38th tour, 38th tour of Australia. Well,
0: if we could, if there's ever a chance that Alice Cooper and Susie Quattro can do some shows together, I would be the happiest guy in the world. This would be great. And and, and we'll do a part two of this podcast for sure. Um, This is a very cool question from Kathy Grant. All right. So she's been calling me and and texting me all week about this. And I don't know anything about it really, but apparently it's very interesting. This Mrs. Beasley and the subsequent photo on your 60th birthday. Is there a story behind that?
1: Yes. Whoa, Kathy. (laughs) grant okay um there is a story now i'm curious um <laughs> before i came to england i was still in cradle and a friend of mine entered wanted me to go see a spiritualist lady which was a friend of hers because we we got talking about the subject of, i'm quite psychic myself i've always been interested in that area um i can read people in five seconds of meeting them so i have that ability you read me and she yeah. wanted <laughs> She wanted, Yeah, I do, yeah, like you. Um, she wanted me to come and meet this lady, and I went to her, and her name was Mrs. Beasley. And I went to her house in Gross Point. just a normal grandma lady, you know, grandma lady. And she read me, and she had a little pad of paper, and she kept writing down stuff. And then when the session was over, she read to me what she had written, and it was up to me to put it together. So she said things like, uh, she told me names of relatives that I'd never heard until I went home and asked my mother. And then my mother confirmed it. And then she said, "Uh, you're gonna be going to England. And I thought, yeah, right, I'm gonna go to England. How am I gonna get to England? Why am I going to England? (laughs) And then she said, um, and that came true. And then she said, uh, your first sports car is going to be a blue one. Well, the first sports car that I bought with my ex-husband was a blue Mercedes 280 SL. And then she said, I see a lot of success with roses. And that one I couldn't figure out. But then the devil in me video clip, which you can watch, anybody can watch on YouTube. Um, One of the parts of that film was me and Moses going across on a screen. But um, everything she said, and I lost a piece of paper. I had a pad of it and I kept it. I took it to England with me and I lost that. But 99% of what she said came absolutely true. So whatever, whether you believe in it or not, Mrs. How can she tell me I'm going to England, you know? I thought, I did, I thought to myself, what do you know, you know? Well, maybe Mrs.
0: Beasley to... is listening to this podcast right now and she will grace us with more views. Thank you very much, Mrs. Beasley. That's a great, <laughs> at the real Muddy G and J.D. Alba, because you've been such an inspire and an influencer for so many other people, what are your biggest inspirations and influences?
1: Cool. Well, Elvis first. Of course. Then I was big, 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 big on Otis Redding. I called myself Susie Soul for a while. <laughs> um, Motown, being born and raised in Detroit, Motown, huge. That's in my DNA. My bass playing is very Jamerson. If you listen to it, especially on the new album, you will hear a lot of Jamerson bassline influences. I'm, I'm kind of walking between walking bass and boogie. Yeah. Between those two. What's your um, go-to bass? What is your go-to bass? My 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 precision. Yeah, oh, yeah. So that, oh, yeah. Wow. It's the only bass that you can plug into a recording unit straight in, and it's perfect. Wow. No other bass does wow. that. That's the bass. That's my baby. And who else? Billy Holiday. And for lyrics, it was uh, Bob Dylan who I just. Yeah, worshiped. You mentioned him.
0: Fellow Gemini, like you said.
1: I know, and yeah. we love our words. We do. <laughs>
0: Well, that kind of dovetails into this section that we have, the one that got away. Because um, I'm going to ask you about a piece of gear that you wish you still had, but for some reason you had to, you know, you it was lost, it was stolen, you had to sell it. Something, do you have a bass or an amp or even an effect, any sort of gear that you, was the one that got away?
1: I would say... <laughs> I had I, I had I had it changed. I had a that first base that my dad gave me, the 1957 Precision. It came in that beige-colored case, the original Fender case. That case got stolen. And I mm-hmm. would like it back only for the case got stolen, only for one reason, because this was in the 60s It got stolen, 68, 69. They left the base. They took the case. They thought the base was in there. And I had painted <sighs> on it because it was the late 60s. You're not going to believe it. I spray painted on this original base case. I'm embarrassed to say it. Say it. The spots of eternity are square. <laughs> you beatnik,
0: you. <laughs> you want to be beatnik. You still when want to. Was-
1: <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe it? This- I thought I was so hip. Oh, I uh, love I'm a sure. jerk. Just- I wish I had that back
0: you know what some that bass case is somewhere you know that somewhere in this world it's still it's it's still laying and now they know it now they know it so i love it well i was gonna say that red bc rich bass that you had on the the wow. era of Susie and four other words you no know, but then i saw it on a new video i saw that bass that, did, is that the bass that did. you play on the new video
1: it certainly is it's on my new devil and me video the, the devil and me the title track from the new album and when we were getting together to film that we had to do it in my garage and each person had to go on separately um my son said go up in your ego room I have an ego room and we went and got that based on it was perfect it's now in my front room I might take it back on the road it's a good base
0: Okay. No, the, I, I love that era where the whole band played red BC Riches. What was that yes. all about, right?
1: We had we were sponsored for a while by Then we had pink ones first, the rich bitch, and then they made me the red one, and then everybody got red ones. It was a great era. The matching guitars and Robert Palmer, excuse me, he came to me and he said, "What song was that?" Now, where all the girls were playing, uh,
0: uh, addicted to love.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He came to me and he said, "Oh, by the way." I love all your matching guitars. We said yes. He said I just nicked it for my video.
0: <laughs> Thank you.
1: And then he pinched my ass because he was drunk.
0: Ah, good old Robert. The things. <laughs> oh, the eighties. <80s. laughs> Weren't they so misogynistic? <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, there, there's the one that got away. I just, I do, and, and check it out, folks. Put it in the chat right now. Somebody put the link up to the new video, The Devil and Me, because it is a great video. And again, go check out uh, the Suzy Q uh, movie doc as well. Um, I have uh, just one more from the phone, from the fans. Uh, there's at perhaps an artist. Do you know about the Suzy Q anime character from the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure manga series? Oh, I don't know that
1: one. Is it <sighs> me? it's it's,
0: it's patterned after you the actual name of the character is suzy quattro and the abbreviation is suzy q uh vic there well, you go
1: I hope they do you justice
0: well i mean i mean there's a it's 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 all anime so i don't really understand so much that about that stuff but there you go i've
1: never heard of it but i'll, I'll have to look that up okay. JoJo's Bizarre Manga. okay i'll look that up thank you for that there I'll look you it
0: go up. and one last one from ed bellingerp A long time supporter of the podcast. Thank you very much for this question. What was the first song you learned on any instrument, including bongo?
1: Believe it or not, Mac the Knife on Bongos. (laughs) Oh, the sharp head, pretty teeth there, and he showed them pearly (laughs) white.
0: Nicely done, I love it, man. Bo- you know what? You've just re reinvented your career as a bongo player, and I love it. We we, we haven't even gotten into the acting and into the into the Broadway stuff. Um, I mean, I I wanted to touch briefly on your leather Tuscadero days. Obviously that was a, a huge turning point in the States. Um, and, and all of a sudden you became a household name in the States, but then you were you didn't want to be typecast as Leather Tuscadero. So there was was there a point where you were offered your own TV show in uh, your own spin-off for uh, Happy yeah. Days? Yeah, yeah.
1: They yeah, they they did it was apparently got uh, Leather Tuscadero, got the second most fan mail after the Fonz, which is amazing. There we are together. You were Leather
0: Tuscadero, come on, man.
1: Amazing, amazing. But I did three seasons and that was enough. I went on to do many other kinds of acting. So, you know, I didn't want to be typecast. I didn't want to be put in a box, oh, she's Leather Tuscadero. Even the ones that I did, people all the time say, oh, Leather Tuscadero. So even that few that I did, stuck. (laughs) <laughs> stuck like me. so It was a good character. I was glad to be part of that iconic show. And I happy to say I'm still good friends with Henry and Ron. We email all the time. That's
0: cool. And you know what? The funny thing is a lot of people were coming up to Joan Jett as well and I saying, know. yeah, leather Tuscadero. <laughs> I know it happened. I love it. But um, the thing about that, can you go back to that photo where you had the wristbands, Vic? Can you put that on? And I have a, I have a theory because I, I was thinking about it the whole time. Did they make you wear, the, no, no, the one that would had the actual wristband, uh, the other black and white photo. There it is. If you can look at the uh, wristband that you have on over your wrist, did they make you cover that because of your star tattoo? Because a 50s girl wouldn't have a star tattoo, or was that just part of the outfit?
1: I think that just happened by mistake. Um, I wore my own clothes for the first series. That was my own street leathers. And the strange thing is, I have to go back, back up a bit. I flew over to audition. You know how important Elvis was to me? Of course. All the way through my life. All the way through my life. So many things, too many epiphanies to tell you about on this show. (laughs) Things that happened to me that he was involved in. I went and auditioned at Paramount, okay? Right. They said, go back to your, it's to do with the jumpsuit too. Go back to your hotel when we now need to discuss you. I met everybody, the director, I met the fans, I met everybody, read for the part, da-da-da. Got into my room in the hotel, turned on the TV, waited by the phone for it to ring. Phone rang. We don't want you for just the two-week episode. We want you for three seasons. I went, fantastic. And just as I was taking my congratulatory good news phone call, the TV said, newsflash, the king is dead. Oh, shit. You cannot write stuff like this. I'm like this and like, yeah, Yeah. it's amazing. I know you get chills when you hear it. Then about two months later, when I went back to film the first episodes, they said, okay, Susie, can we run and meet somebody? And they said, this guy's name is Nudie and he's going to be making your costumes for the show. And he was Elvis's personal tailor. Wow. How does this, how does this happen? You know what I'm saying? This is crazy stuff. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So he made the suits. Mrs. Me, Beasley didn't did call even, that
0: one. That was all. That was all. Big
1: picture. Stuff. All, all meant to happen. All meant to happen. How did they get Elvis's guy in to do my clothes on happy days? <laughs> how did that happen?
0: Wow. Anyway. Wow. <laughs> so I okay. So that's all I'm going to touch on with that because you ended up, honestly, having a uh, huge success with stumbling in. Right, right around the same time, right after that time, uh, back on Mike Chapman's label, and your your biggest uh, your biggest hit in in the U.S. was that song. Whereas, yes, great. but but at the same time, I feel where your cult status, where I would hear you in all the rock clubs. When I went to the Cat House in the '90s, when I would hear, when whenever they they would play a sweet song, a Mark Bowen song, a Slade song, there would be a Susie Quattro song right in there.
1: Sure, but that, for some reason, if in the documentary, it's explored quite correctly, I think. There was a tiny space there where I was having hits all over the world, one after the other, you know, million sellers, and a little, probably a two-year frame, that that particular era didn't quite marry in America. I remember when I first went there with my English band, this is Back to America, in 74, all shook up was skirting the lower end of the charts, and uh, all I heard on the radio was the Eagles and Linda Ronstadt. So, as Debbie Harry says in my documentary, she thinks I was a little bit early. A
0: little
1: bit early, yeah. And then when I did Happy Days, and I played the leather clad, leather Tuscadero with the bass guitar, all of a sudden it was okay. Yeah. And that broke down the door in America for all the other girls. So, whichever way you discovered me, it doesn't matter. You got to me in the end.
0: (laughs) And you know what? I'm really enjoying discovering so much more about you, Today as well. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I mean, I think the turtle and the hair approach. You've just steadily, slow and steady, and you've had this career that completely becomes a legacy, much in the same sense as, as Alice Cooper. He just keeps touring year after year after year. You keep touring year after year. And I know you just put up a post on your Instagram, and folks, we're, we're heading to that point where uh, Susie's going to give all her social medias if you guys want to uh, immediately follow. But you were saying how much... You know, you just want to get back on the road. You want the greasy food. You want to get into the van. You want that show. So, you know, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you right now on your social media? Um,
1: oh, my God. Well, I'm on everything. So uh, there you are. You've got it all up there. Yeah, that's Instagram. Susan Wheel. I have a Facebook site. There's a fan club site. There's a Twitter site. Um, I I have to say I'm very big on the social media right now. I do an Instagram every day religiously with an uplifting message and a picture. I do a personal Facebook message and a fan club message. I'm on Twitter. Um, I am one of these communicators and I'm there. I'm on everything, every, everything that you can see there. That's me.
0: It couldn't be more fitting for your name to be Susie Quattro real because you're about as real a rock star that we've ever had on in the trenches. And I appreciate you coming on. So we are heading out to the highway. The one thing I do want to leave with is some sort of words of wisdom that you have. And there's a few, and you have so many, actually, I think one of the coolest things you said uh, that I could, that I could pick out of all the quotes is you talked about a little bit about retirement. And you said, retirement, I will retire when I go on stage, shake my ass, and there is silence.
1: (laughs) I stand by that comment, and it hasn't happened
0: yet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, Alice Cooper, Susie Quattro, we have to do some shows together. Uh, Some other quotes, uh, stop running so fast. That's what I took away from the movie. That was a really good one. I think I need to use that one myself. Um yes. And it's important to be validated by the ones you love, which is It is. Yeah. That's the most important thing in the whole world. Oh my god, yeah. and then and then this guy. And then this guy. Oh, Vic, thank you for putting that up there because I did want to ask about this. I was like, "What the heck is this thing?" When I first fought it, it's an auto award, folks. For anybody that's not in Germany is going, "What the hell is some sort of voodoo thing?" But tell us about yeah. the auto awards.
1: I have six of those in my room. Yeah. I got awards coming out my backside, so I'm very, very <laughs> lucky and very, very, and very well not literally, but actually I do I won an award for my backside, actually. You keep shaking it. Things keep coming out. There you go. Not bad.
0: <laughs> so is there any uh, last parting words that you have that you live by? Because you've you've had so many great quotes over the years, but yes, yes go ahead.
1: No, I have. I have. It's, it's your, I'm going to say what I said when I got my honorary doctor at um, Cambridge University, and I mean it, this is to everybody, I said, your, your journey in life is to go inside you, inside yourself, you find your little light, whatever it might be, you switch it on, and let nobody switch it off.
0: There it is, folks. That's Susie Quattro and her new album, The Devil and Me. Um, when is it actually released and when's it coming out on all platforms? You can check out the video right now, The Devil and Me, but when does the actual album drop? Um,
1: March twenty-fifth. Okay So the 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 single is out now, the video's out there. There's a Christmas video too, and that's on the album called My Heart and Soul, which will just break your heart. A breaker, you have to watch it. Uh, Beautiful song. That's also on the album. And the depth, so there's two videos available from the album. And the third one is being released, I think, today or tomorrow called I Sold My Soul Today. Great. Don't even ask.
0: And it's going to be, (laughs) no, it's a great collaboration with you and your son and the rest of the band. And um, I look forward to uh, meeting up somewhere down the road, hopefully at a show together. And uh, you've been listening to Susie Quattro on In the Trenches, folks. Hang on for one second, Susie. Thank you guys so much for hanging out. Uh, I'm Ryan Roxy, In the Trenches. Until next time, enjoy the ride. In the Trenches
1: with Ryan Roxy. Hello.
0: Moby, give him his guitars back.